Hi, uh, welcome to 52 in 52. I'm Anthony. And I'm Josh. And uh, welcome to our podcast. Um, so today we're going to be talking about Creed, uh, a movie that Josh and I saw on Wednesday uh, at a screening. Uh, it's got Michael B. Jordan, Sly Stallone. Um, so uh, it, it hasn't come out yet. This podcast will probably be out by the time the movie comes out. I think it comes out after Thanksgiving. It comes out the Wednesday of Thanksgiving. The Wednesday of Thanksgiving, yeah. So we, we've seen it a couple weeks ahead, but we're going to record about it now, and whenever we get it edited, we'll have it up. Uh, Josh is going to start with the plot, and we're going to go from there. Yeah, so Creed is, uh, I don't even want to say a total spinoff of the Rocky franchise because it's still very much a piece of it. It's uh, It feels very much like one of the Rocky movies, but it obviously is in much different hands and has a somewhat different focus given that Sylvester Stallone wrote and directed the majority of the earlier Rocky, the first five Rocky films, because Rocky V never happened, and Rocky Balboa was the sixth one produced a few years back. But this one is called Creed because it focuses on the son of Apollo Creed, Apollo being the ultimate opponent in the first two Rocky movies and kind of a friend to Rocky in the third movie, and then uh, a catalyst with his death in the fourth movie. And what happened was about the year of his death, he had an affair and had a son that he never met. And then his widow eventually goes down and tracks his tracks down his biological son, who's had a rough first 10 years of his life after his his mother died and she takes him in and raises him in the house in which Apollo Creed had lived in until he died and then he decides somehow we, we, we get we get a kind of an opening scene showing that he really liked fighting when he was a little kid then we pick up when he's in his mid-20s and has a job in the real world but has a second life as a fighter who goes down to Mexico and <laughs> does fights and he obviously decided he wanted to take after his late father we don't exactly know a lot, aside from the fact he liked watching old footage of his dad boxing. And a lot of the people know who he is, though, out in Los Angeles, where he was raised. And they don't want to see him knowing that he has a lot of options because he was kind of raised privilege after he was taken in. He has other options, and he doesn't need to be a fighter. He has other things he can do that aren't as dangerous, but he insists he wants to be a fighter. So he picks things up and moves across the country to Philadelphia, where no one knows him. Decides he's going to track down Rocky Balboa, who's living a rather solitary life, and uh, get him to train him. And that's kind of the movie and where it goes from there. And it's he goes and tracks down Rocky and has to ha- has to do some convincing, but eventually they kind of partner up, and that's it. So, Anthony, what do you think of this film? Well, I just want to ask you first, would you consider this a reboot? What do you mean by that? If, if, if they want to do more movies, then it's technically a reboot, but if it's a one-off, then it's just a... A one-off. I feel like reboot that that implies that there's going to be a lot more of him, and I don't think yeah. we know that yet. I would, I would, I'd be happy if there were. Isn't that isn't that what a reboot is? It's like you, when they reboot Spider-Man, well, starting you know the franchise over is what I is what I mean by that. It depends if Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Coogler. You don't need Ryan Coogler. You would need Michael B. Jordan. And Michael B. Jordan's a young actor who has a lot of other opportunities. If I'm sure, if the movie makes money, the studio is going to want to bring him in and get him to do others. And if he wants to do that, then he'll do that. Maybe when he signed on for Creed, maybe there were a couple options on one end or the other or both that had to be mutual. I don't know the particulars of that, but I could easily see them doing this if they can, if they think they can make it good and make money, then yes, you can follow this kid and see where it goes because I think he has a pretty, it's a pretty unique story and that's just kind of the the entry point to this story is one of the things that I enjoyed and I think it ha- it has a much different, it has a somewhat, not too different, but a somewhat different feel from Rocky because it's a, 
a very different protagonist, and and that's why I think it it, it has a different enough feel that I think it could stand on its own if you tried to do a few more. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't necessarily mean that it's this that it's the same continuation. Yeah. I just, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it definitely has a different feel than the other Rocky mm-hmm. movies. And I'll preface this podcast by saying that I. I probably haven't seen all of the Rocky movies, and I've I definitely seen a couple, but I'm not very schooled in in the history of them and the particulars too much. But I think watching the movie and just knowing what I know about movies in general, I could take away what they wanted me to take away from the old movies in this one. Yeah, that, we'll get into some of that, and some of some of how they did that was what I thought were some of the strengths of this movie were, but. And, and I am a bigger I, I wouldn't say I'm like a rocky expert I have I hadn't watched the original films in a few years I even though I've seen most of the first four multiple times I just hadn't seen them in a while but I have a closer bond to them just being from Philadelphia and having a dad that really loved those movies and the first one came out when my dad was in high school so I was kind of raised really appreciating them and whenever Rocky runs around during a training montage he's running by somewhere where that I've in the city where I grew up or didn't grow up. I lived in Philadelphia till I was five and have been back a ton since. So it's, it's a little, it's a little closer to me and I'm a little more familiar with it than Anthony, but you didn't have to be familiar with the Rocky movies to totally enjoy this movie, even though there were some callbacks, they didn't hit you over the head with it. Yeah. They may have had a few flashback scenes where they showed some old footage, but it, it didn't rely too much on that. And in the ways in which it did, I thought were subtle enough that it didn't, uh, it didn't try and it didn't uh, infringe on your yeah, it, enjoyment. It, it of this added movie. it added yeah. something to the scene or to the movie at that point. Whenever it did, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So you asked me if I liked it. I really like this movie mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, I think it's one of the better movies. Definitely top ten. I think that we've seen this year. Really, I didn't. I didn't even put it that high myself. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't. I'm not looking at a list side by side, okay. but I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I just enjoyed it more than it was technically good, maybe, but I really enjoyed it. What did you think? I thought it was really good, and we're gonna on this podcast we're gonna talk a good amount about Southpaw because that was a movie that we both saw earlier this year and had a lot of thoughts on, and that it wasn't a movie that we would just totally shit on or a movie that we thought was awesome. We had a lot of things we could talk about that were positive and negative about this movie, and I feel like you could say the same thing about this movie. I would probably put it above Southpaw on my list, and I think that's because. Southpaw as a movie tried to do way too much and didn't put into work to justify a lot of the stuff they threw in there and they could have established some of the things they were trying to do if they wanted to make the movie a little longer and Anthony and I are people that don't complain about movies being long if they're doing stuff well or using their time wisely and here in Rocky they did it was about exactly two hours but they they told a much more focused story and didn't try and bite off more than they could chew and I think that, that was what was good about it was they they stayed focused on a few characters and they didn't really try and go for a lot where I thought something like Southpaw threw a lot of stuff in there and kind of jumped to the conclusion and a lot of that stuff without properly setting it up. Here you're telling the story of just one specific guy and his relationship with, with Rocky. I, I honestly didn't realize that Rocky was going to be in this movie as much as it was. The I never saw the second trailer, but I just kind of, the way it was cut, it, it didn't seem like he was in it as much as he ended up being in it. But it was really him and Rocky, and there's a love interest played by Tessa Thompson, who she was in the movie Dear White People last year, which I didn't love, but I thought she was very good in it, and she was in Selma earlier this year, and uh, she's pretty good, and it's really those three people. The the ultimate opponent that he faces at the end, who was kind of a goof, I didn't really love him, even he had talked with a funny Irish accent or whatever, and talked a lot of crap, but it was really corny dialogue, in my opinion, but he wasn't a big enough part of the movie that anything they did wrong would have ruined it for me. It was really the story of the two of them, and there was the stuff with the... 
the love interest, which was fine. And that was about it. And because it was so focused and it was just on their relationship and what you were getting out of that, you weren't being distracted by other stuff. And I really did buy what they tried to build up with, with Adonis. That's the name of, I don't even think I said his name. Adonis Adonis Creed, Creed, but his name is Johnson earlier in the film. And there's a whole, there's a whole deal about that where he needs to eventually change his name to set up the big fight at the end. And uh, that's a thing, but it's really about him and Rocky and, I, I just thought that I, I, that relationship was really good, and it's very impressive how Sylvester Stallone can kind of just slide back into that character so easily. I thought maybe by the, by Rocky Four and like I said, Rocky Five never happened. Maybe some people might have thought it, it was just a little bit of a shtick seeing Rocky just jumping around doing the same stuff over and over again. And I, I love Rocky Four, and I never necessarily think that, but at some point, it's you've seen there aren't a, there aren't a ton of franchises that go with the same main character for five movies, and within ten years, it's just not a ton do that. You might see some of these that are just a, a series of books that are three and you know exactly what the story is. And the first set of Rocky movies was over five movies over 15 years and it's Sylvester Stallone looking mostly the same. So I think it's really impressive how he kind of slid right back into Rocky, but it's an older version. And Rocky Balboa was about him being 60 years old and fighting a character played by Antonio Tarver. So it seemed a little rid- ridiculous. You're trying to pass him off as a guy that could still box against younger people when he was old. And that movie was relatively well done, but I still enjoyed this because you're seeing Rocky when he's... You're, they're clearly just trying to show him as a, at a much different stage of his life. You're not trying to buy him as a fighter. You're trying to buy him as a person who really has nothing left. And I thought he did a really good job portraying that existence that Rocky was living at that point. Yeah, uh, so you said that Sly was in the movie a lot more than we anticipated, and I thought it was a nice surprise, honestly. I thought he did really well. Because was, the, because the other Rocky movies, like I said, he wrote he wrote Rocky yeah. Balboa, and I thought yeah. Ryan Coogler wrote and directed this, so maybe he's just going to kind of be off to the side and make a few cameos. I did I just didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, the only other movie that I know Coogler did was Fruitvale Station, which was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story is sad and and everything, but it's a great movie. It's mm-hmm. like eighty minutes barely. Mm-hmm. Michael B. Jordan's in it, and it's it's really 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 good. So, and and there's not too much other characters to develop in Fruitvale outside of uh, Michael B. Jordan, I guess. Both movies. He's in almost every scene. Yeah. When you think about it, I think mm-hmm. there might have been one scene in this in Creed where he wasn't there. Yeah. The, one of them between and, the Irish boxer and his manager, and that's and it. And like you said, it was the, the story was really tight relative to other movies and relative to Southpaw. It was just a very cohesive story, and I think that it the not by not trying to be too ambitious, it successfully just progresses the way that it wants to and it's got a nice pace i think for the most part i had a couple of problems with the pace but what did you think of uh of sly I, I was like looking back and thinking that he could probably be added to supporting actor list too i was going to bring that up at some point i didn't know when you wanted to talk yeah, about i'm that, just I, free i'd heard other people mention here. that before and i don't have like i don't have this whole awards list because we went over some of the guys the other day but we're in the minority and thinking, obviously, and I mean, I would be very happy if he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor ahead of Mark Rylance. But well, I'm saying, do you think he deserved it oh, based on his performance? Yeah, I think as, as someone that is a very big fan of the Rocky movies, it's I'm a little, not even biased just from the perspective of I like these movies, but I'm just so familiar with that guy as a character that it's less of a thing for me to buy him as a, a, as, as a different person and not Sylvester Stallone because I'm so familiar with Rocky the character. So I do think he does a good job of slipping back into character when he's been off doing the Expendable movies or whatever, and which he's, he's a very different character from what he is in those. But I'm just so familiar with Rocky that I, I get on screen and it's easier for me just to 
connect with that. And so I don't know if other people will, but just because, so maybe I'm a little biased in saying it, but I would be totally fine with him because he really, he does get a lot to do here. He has to show, show some range for sure. And he does a pretty good job of it. He has to be, he has to, he gets to be funny at times and he has to be pretty damn serious at other points. And, and I, and I never thought it was over the top. And I think that's a, I think that's a credit to the script. And that's where I wanted to talk about some, because some of what I really liked in this movie were some of the nods that they did where they could have given Rocky some big speech and that would have been over the top and it would have felt a little forced like oh now we're gonna go get sly one of his clips that he can hopefully get him an oscar and they didn't they didn't do that one of them was when he first uh, one of them was when he first decided he was going to train adonis because he just flat out refuses at first and you think at first they're going to have to have some kind of big back and forth where he's going to have to try and talk Adonis out of it because, oh, your, your dad, I was I was at the side of the rink when your dad died because Apollo, Apollo dies in Rocky Four and Rocky's right there in the corner. He doesn't stop. So maybe he's going to want to say, give some long, big speech about it. But instead, you instead it's just he you see him and how he's having to live that existence. Once you find out Polly died, Polly's Rocky's best friend who's all the way up there from the first Rocky movie in 1975 to... Rocky Balboa a few, a few years back. Paulie's always there, and that's like, even after he was done boxing, you could envision what Rocky's life is like. He's running this restaurant, and then he's hanging out with Paulie. Then when he goes to the cemetery to visit Adrian, and then Paulie's right next to Adrian at the cemetery because Paulie's Adrian's brother. And you're like, wow, what is Rocky doing with his life now? And you can just see him there talking to the gravestones, and you're like, wow, what the hell is this guy doing with his life? And as soon as that happened, I knew, wow, I know, I know Rocky well enough to know that he doesn't have anything else going on He's going to want to do something with his life at this point, and he sees some an opportunity for that. And I, I appreciated that. You didn't have to have some big kind of speech from him and Adonis going back and forth. It, it, it was unnecessary at that point, and you could just kind of see how lonely he was, and I appreciated that. And another moment was when they just, he, when he decides to take on the big fight at the end against one of the best fighters in the world. And I thought that they were going to have to go over the top with that. And I thought he played it very well in an understated way. Instead of there being some massive speech from him to them, you know that Rocky is someone who is an underdog story from the get-go. And it would be unrealistic for him to just totally dismiss someone else who's an underdog wanting to take on a fight like that because that's exactly what it was when he took on Apollo Creed in the first movie. So I thought that he had some more exciting moments that were there, but he played a lot more subtle moments too that could have been something that was over the top and which would have made me say... No, this is just a little too corny for me to buy him as the Best Supporting Actor nominee. Yeah, I didn't think the movie was really corny at all. Yeah, and I was worried about it. I, well, I thought I had some problems with the beginning and the end mostly, okay. which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to eventually. But I thought he played really well off off Michael B. Jordan too. Mm -hmm. And just that the way they complimented each other and he was very reserved and, and the way that they got them together, it, was, it sort of reminded me of like the Mississippi Grind thing like these two guys he wouldn't really think would be friends and they do become friends it's not even really it's not even really like a it just kind of happens they don't yeah that's what i'm saying it's like not forced it's not like it's not like okay but then they michael b jordan is you know he he keeps bothering him about being his coach and keeps asking him for ways to train he's like you don't have to show me anything just write it down for me explain to me what i have to do and by but the way he keeps bugging him eventually leads Rocky back to the gym to help him. And I kind of like that dynamic. I, I because I avoided that second trailer and I, I watched the first trailer a ton because I thought it was great. But I it didn't really let you know exactly what that relationship was going to be. And I thought maybe it was going to be something where, he was having to really try and get through to him, and he was going to come across this kid who was Apollo's son, and he was going to have to really, be begging him to listen to him. 
and that would have been fine, but it, it, we just got something different than I was expecting. And I kind of liked seeing him being accepting of coaching so much in sports movies. It's so much cliche of being, I don't need your help. I can do it on my own. And it was kind of a cool different thing to see someone just really genuinely wanting to work with someone else and not having to have a forced conflict like that. So I like that. And and going back to Southpaw, mm-hmm. so they have uh, Forrest Whitaker, right, in, mm-hmm. in Southpaw. And his the his reason for not training Jake Gyllenhaal— I don't he, train professionals. It was so strange, and it was there was no background to it, and there was no— there was no motivation for that, and Rocky at least they explicitly say like why he doesn't want to train. He just wants to get away from boxing and everything. And he eventually realizes that. And there is also the thing makes, about him yeah. knowing that he, at that point he he at least knew this kid. Uh, I think he probably knew at that point he, he knew that he he knew that Adonis was. Uh, taken in by Marianne, Apollo's widow. So he, I mean, yes, they have that built-in advantage of they don't need to explain to us. We're, we we kind of knew, he knows at that point, this kid has money at this point. So mm-hmm. he doesn't need this, and that's another reason why he might not want to train him. Whereas in Southpaw, they just didn't take the time to explain it. They have built-in reasons that we understand it here. Yeah. But Southpaw didn't even try, and they just had to do, I don't train professionals, and yeah. they don't explain it at all, yeah. at all. And I just thought it was an interesting dynamic between mm-hmm. the, the two trainer-coach things mm-hmm. and the way that it progressed via the main character because they're sort of going through the same kind of emotional loss mm-hmm. in both movies. So I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. What'd you, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what did you think of uh, Bianca, his, his at one point girlfriend, and yeah. how they used her? Yeah, uh, she was good. She was, I don't think, I mean, it was fine. I think Zoe could have played that role too. Zoe Kravitz? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have any problems with it. I thought, I was worried about it going in, and like at first, the way that they introduced the relationship, that it was going to be so, not even over the top, just like we've seen it so much before. And I don't really, I don't think it, I think it naturally progressed throughout the movie. It was a little forced at first, maybe, but I think that it was fine, and the way they interacted was was good, and we had enough alone time with them talking to know why they would like each other, I, I think. probably would have liked a little more of that. I, I agree. Yeah, with you. I, I said I, that's why I said I think we had enough to justify it. Yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't like okay, this is makes sense, and I'm happy to see them together, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I was worried, like you said. I'm not sure what you meant by you were worried to be over the top. I thought it was going to be the typical. I don't date athletes. Get yeah, away from that's me. What, that's I don't what like I'm this. Saying. And instead, yeah. it, it was like you. They spent enough time together that you understood why they liked each other. Like you said, it's just after their first time they go out to dinner. Then the next time he goes to her apartment, they're like on the floor kissing. And I might have wanted another scene in between there Were just to now? show how they got to that point. Yeah. But uh, we talk a lot about in certain movies how they don't develop the female characters enough and they're just kind of there and they're just there to be supportive. And that's kind of her role eventually. But it's a boxing movie. Of course, she's yeah. going to have to go with him to the boxing match, which is fine. And I felt like we understood who she was as a person. They talked enough about her singing and her yeah. having a degenerative hearing. And yeah. would have liked to just have maybe a couple more conversations with them talking about boxing versus music and just what that means sure. to her and and just have them connect a little bit more discussing that. But it, it wasn't like they failed to develop her, which is one of yeah. our biggest criticisms when we talk about movies. They developed her well enough that I just wanted to see more of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's interesting because I wrote this in my in my Southpaw review where we inherently understand these things, but sometimes it's nice to just get another scene or two where to show to show it Instead because that's I mean we're watching a movie. Infer. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. I actually like the little. I mean, obviously, I would not like anyone to have hearing disorder, but I think it was a nice little twist on your music's too loud. 
because uh, Michael B. Jordan goes downstairs because he lives right above her, and this music is just blasting, and he can't sleep, and he goes down there and and says, excuse me, like, can you turn the music to, down a little bit? And she's like, oh, I didn't know that it was that loud. And then the next scene, we get a her telling us that she has, like, this hearing loss. It's like, oh, and he feels bad, and we kind of feel bad as an audience because it, it was, like, a typical reaction, but they mm-hmm. put a nice twist on it, yeah. and, and I, I liked what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of disappeared for, in what, like, the 75th percentile of the movie for a little bit too long, maybe, but... You mean when they had, for, when they when had, had their argument? Like, fight, or, yeah. yeah. Um. But... I think that so they had that little that little fight at first when she when he because Michael B. Jordan does not tell her that he's a Creed he oh, just yeah. is like oh my dad was a famous boxer and she just says he doesn't okay. say famous he just says she, my dad he, or, was a my boxer. dad pre, pre, yeah. she asked if he played box professionally and he says something like that yeah. and she gets mad at him for not telling him that he's a Creed and they have a, a believable little quarrel and and it's fine and I th- I just think the the fight after that was a little. I don't know if it was justified that she would, they would just break up like that. Yeah, I was going to talk about that a little later because okay. I, 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 I didn't love either that or his conflict with Rocky later in the movie. I don't know okay. if you wanted to discuss that now or kind of save that for later. But um, I mean, we're on it, man. Let's talk about it. Yeah, well, I really thought that because they did such a good job with both establishing – like I said, they could have done a little bit of a better job with uh, his relationship with Bianca. I thought they did a very good job with his relationship with Rocky. So then Rocky finds out that he has cancer, and I'm not really spoiling anything for y'all because they stupidly put that in the second trailer. And I thought that they did such a good job of developing his relationship with Rocky that he Rocky decides he doesn't want treatment, and then Adonis gets very mad at him because he doesn't want treatment. And then Adonis says, you're just an old man, and he says, you're just some kid I train. You don't mean anything to me, and... Then Adonis says, "Get out of get out of here!" Because Adonis got put in jail for a night because he got in a fight at one of Bianca's concerts. She's a singer. Okay, and it just seemed a little forced. I didn't need that conflict. They had done such a good job of developing the relationship. You could have had enough drama derived from him just being upset that Rocky got had gotten sick. Because it seems just so forced to be have them have an argument where they're not talking for ten minutes of the movie. Because it's just not suspenseful at all. We know they're going to make up. We know they're going to be fine. It just seemed completely unnecessary. And you could have used that ten minutes of them not being on speaking terms elsewhere in the movie. I don't know if I agree, honestly. Yeah, because I think that a big part of the movie was Adonis has his problems with not having a father figure, A, and being mad at his father for, for basically, he says, what does he say, leaving him behind or dying before he was born, whatever, whatever it is. And I think that his conflict with his father is a huge part of the movie. And R- Rocky is sort of taking on that role in a different way, and he's becoming like more forgiving and everything. And I think that's normal, the scene that happened with them, because he, he doesn't want this guy to give up on him. He, J- Michael B. Jordan doesn't want Rocky to give up on him. And Rocky, but we understand Rocky's point of view because he said his wife had the treatment and she died and it makes sense. And Michael B. Jordan doesn't know that and he doesn't really understand why Rocky wouldn't want to do it. Michael B. Jordan doesn't want to lose this guy who's the only person in his life that he's gotten close to um, just because he won't do treatment. And Michael B. Jordan is like, you can just do treatment. Like it's not a, you just do treatment and I don't. I don't know. I don't think it was forced, or sure, it's not suspenseful because we know they're going to talk. But I, I don't think it's. I think it. It was an interesting development for Michael B. Jordan's character. I see your point. I just kind of rolled my eyes. Maybe that's. Maybe that scene wasn't written well enough, 
and it just escalated to the point of I never really of Rocky saying I don't being getting dismissive of him. Well, but and when we, people fight, they always say the meanest shit to each other to try to one up each other. I That's guess. a thing. I mean, I'm just maybe it's just I'm not a confrontational person, and I usually try and avoid avoid any conversation before it gets to that point. Well, I'm and gonna then, I'm gonna go see the movie again when it comes out. I think, and okay. I'll and I'll watch for that scene again, and, and we'll have an off off camera discussion. Okay, about sure. It. I just. It might have just been, and I, I see what you're saying, and so that decision in and of itself is actually logical when you put it that way, but for me, it felt like it just got to the point of Rocky d- dismissing him out of nowhere very quickly and him sniping right back, get out of here, and I and I can understand, I guess I can understand Adonis's anger, I don't see why Rocky wouldn't have maybe just opened up to him a little well, more. But wh- and, why would you say that he dismissed him so quickly? He, you're just some he kid, did, and he tells But him he didn't away. do that because he said, I'm because st- Michael B. Jordan says, get out of here, and he says, I'm not leaving until I tell you what I have to tell you. And he gives his little spiel in the in the jail, and then Michael B. Jordan keeps saying mean shit to him, and he nods his head and, and, and walks out. Or no, I, I, I thought he said something, or maybe not in the jail scene, with the scene where he tells him at the gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, when he when he finds the treatment card, yeah, he says. Okay. maybe he's just mad that he was snooping in his jacket and found the cards. Rocky does say something. I don't remember the line exactly, but Rocky is rather dismissive of him. And he said, "He said we were never family." Something like that. And I'm like, eh, it just seemed a little. I don't know. Well, you, I mean, the thing is, we've talked a lot about infallible characters, right, on this podcast, and I think that it's important for him to not be a perfect character at the same time. And not know what to say in every scene because this guy doesn't. This guy doesn't have a kid. This guy doesn't know like what it's like. He has like a kid. To, he has a kid that's estranged. Well, sure, sure. But what I'm saying like he's not living with someone like that. And exactly, his kid is estranged. He doesn't know. It's you. You can assume he doesn't know correctly how to how to like deal with the kid relationship. And the, he just trying to tell Michael B. Jordan. He's. I think he's trying to tell Michael B. Jordan to soften the blow. We're not family. You don't have to worry about me dying. But. Michael B. Jordan doesn't. It doesn't have to be about blood, and that's, I mean, a big theme in the movie. Maybe, maybe I need to go see it again when it comes out, and if I if I feel better about that exchange, then I'll certainly I I might feel better about moving it up my rankings because in the moment that was one of the two things in the movie that bothered me the most, and um, if I see it again, maybe I'll, I'll move it up my rankings higher, and it, it could potentially be a top ten because the back half of my top ten is not that not all that strong right now. And, well, what's um, the second thing that really bothered you the most? The the final fight. Okay, um, yeah, that was so, very problematic. Yeah, so the, the first the first fight scene, it's... it's yeah, can we talk about the first fight scene? The first scene? fight scene is a second-round knockout. It's fucking awesome. And it's, a, it's essentially, for the most part, a, just a long tracking shot. And yeah. I've never seen a boxing scene like that in a movie before, and it was really engaging, really suspenseful. And a second-round knockout shouldn't be more suspenseful and entertaining than... Uh, the finale th- 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 Than a 12-round fight that goes a distance. And... Do you have anything else to say about that first fight? Yeah, actually, it was I, really do, I do. I okay. do actually. Um, so, one thing I wanted to talk about the movie was the the soundtrack and the sound editing mm-hmm. because I, I'm I'm obviously I'm not an expert at anything, but I noticed I I don't know if it's because I started watching so many movies or whatever, but I noticed that during the movie and especially during the tracking shot, they had so they had like the trainers uh, that are talking to the that are yelling stuff to the fighters during the during the round and stuff. And Rocky is to the right of Michael B. Jordan, and he says something, and it only comes from the right side of the speakers in the theater. And, and then the other side, it only – the punch was you, – you could hear the bass from the right side and not the left side. And then when the other trainer would talk, it would come from the left side of the, of the, uh, of the speakers in the, in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I, I could be wrong, but I, I listened for it once I heard it the first time, and I think that's what happened. And I thought it was really, really cool how they did the sound for the actual punches mm-hmm. and – 
how the fighters would be hearing people talking to them mid-round and everything. And I thought that was really, really well, there cool. There was only one break in the first fight because it only went two rounds. But yeah. I think that, that I, I probably wasn't appreciating that as much in the moment because yeah. I was just so focused I think it's just something that I, I caught yeah. midway and then I started listening for it and it was really cool. Yeah, now that you mentioned about it, that it, it I, I, do know, I do remember that and I think that was very effective. It was just, I was just so impressed with with how they shot it. So yeah. that was cool. And if you've seen the first trailer with the the initial trailer with the Lupe Fiasco song, they do a lot of cool like sound editing stuff with the montages in that trailer. And they do it the same way in the movie. I thought they had some really cool montages and and you know there's gonna be montages where they're training and running in boxing movies and I didn't I thought it was good. I liked it. I liked the way Sly was making fun of him during running and, and all that and Yeah, I, I could have even had a, more training scenes. Sure, yeah, 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 I mean, for sure. I get it would it, there, there's a way in which they do it and this feels too much like exactly Rocky but I could have done like a few more minutes in the hospital when they were trying to find ways yeah, to train in there was cool. they found creative ways to do that that would have been cool um, and I, I I guess it was kind of cool how they didn't just have have Adonis run up the art museum steps because that would have felt just exactly Rocky but uh, they do utilize the art museum steps in a different way later in the movie, which I which I won't spoil. But I thought it was effective the way they eventually did do it, and it's not a spoiler to say they go up the Philadelphia art museum steps in a Rocky movie. Um, but yeah, so it, anything else do you want to say on the yeah, first fight? Yeah, so they well, not I guess not specifically on the first fight, but going back to the soundtrack stuff, mm-hmm. they had Nas, Tupac, Krit, Lupe, The Roots, Future, Childish Gambino. Yeah, it was awesome. And really, really, really loved the the soundtrack and the and the way they incorporated. Yeah, that I was going to ask movie. you about that because I knew that it was kind of loaded, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, it was no super, secret. I'm not a, I'm not loaded. a music person, so yeah. I, and I, I I'm a sucker it. for The Roots anyway. Mm-hmm. And anytime you get The Roots to sign on, I'm I'm in. So gotcha. I was I was happy with it. Yeah. So they utilized some of that in the first fight and then in some of the other training montages. But kind of the problem with the second fight was and you don't have to do a whole I don't expect you to do a 20 minute fight scene like that because that's asking a lot of your cinematography and director of photography and whoever else is responsible for pulling off a really cool tracking shot like that. But they didn't even do one sequence like that that would have been really added to the second fight. And it just ended up being a bunch of cutaways to everyone, and there wasn't any prolonged time spent on just the two fighters. And I get that you want to have some reaction shots to the people that care about the characters, but it just didn't. You didn't. They didn't allow it to breathe at all. Yeah, just kept cutting away to so many people, and there probably wasn't more than a. There probably was. You can probably count on one hand how many sequences of like ten seconds there were where they were only on the fighters in that scene. I think that really takes away from it, especially when we've already seen that you can pull off something a lot better than this. Yeah, and that actually goes to what my biggest problem to the movie was. The beginning and the end, to me, were the worst parts. Like, probably the opening 10, 15 minutes, and then, then the last 20 minutes of the movie. Josh mentioned it um, indirectly that everything just sort of felt rushed in, at the end. And at the beginning, too, I think that they they felt like they had something... That was, they really were excited to tell the story. And the beginning of the movie, they sort of rushed through the intro in the beginning so they can start telling you the story at the point they want to start telling you it at. Because they have the the scene with, with him as a kid in the, in the, what, Foster? What is it? A Foster? I think he was in Juvie. At he's that in point. Juvie. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. So he's in Juvie. And then, like Josh said, it cut to him in this financial office. And then it cut to him with his mom in California. And then all of a sudden, he's in Philly. And I just thought that there wasn't enough I, – I guess I would have liked them to do a little more in California to just sort of get a, f- a base for us to know 
better why he needs to leave Philadelphia and everything. Well, but, I understood why he needed to leave Los well, Angeles. No, 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 no one, no one would train him there because sure. was. But I thought it was it was also rushed, especially with that first scene in the in the gym with uh, our boy Avon Barksdale, who I'm turns out sad turns he out was that, not in the movie. And it turns out that character is the son of Duke. Who is the guy that trains Apollo? Yeah. Or even is there, I think, training Rocky and Rocky Balboa, and they didn't say that until like the very the end, very end, yeah. Or maybe when they first discover. I guess it might have been in the training, in like a little bit of a montage before yeah, the final fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was in the real the HBO. So they could. If you're gonna get Wood Harris to show up, you gotta do more with Wood Harris. But the thing that I because they did establish that guy there, and he clearly knew. Adonis, I would have liked to have had a little bit more as to what got him into fighting in the first place. Because his, his Adonis, mo- yeah, because his mom seemed so against it. So yeah, so how did he end up just even learning how to fight well enough to then just start flying to Mexico to get fights? Well, here, yeah. So I actually wrote that down, and I was thinking about it. So the beginning of the movie, they just they make it a point to say that he just fights all the time, and you're like, this guy doesn't know his dad. Why is he fighting? We don't even know if he's a boxer. We just know he likes to fight. But the more you think about it, it makes sense because this, he's abandoned, he's a child, and a lot of those people just turn, a lot of those kids turn to fighting into violence to get their anger mm-hmm. out, and he's very angry, and it, so it makes sense that he's getting in fights with the kids at, yeah, I got that. at, at the at the juvie, and they're talking, they're, I guess they're talking shit about his deceased mom now, left, she left. Yeah, I, she, had, she had died. She died too. Yeah. So, but yeah, I guess... The jump from just getting in fights as a kid to then being a yeah, boxer. Exactly. I would have liked well, to have known a little bit about that. That goes back to what I'm saying about about L.A. And then rushing where, through it, yeah. Because he goes to this gym in L.A. and he talks to Avon Barksdale for 30 seconds. And then he just hops in the ring with like the number 24 fighter in the world and punches him in the face. And then there's no, there is no downtime. As soon as he hits this guy, the screen cuts to him yelling at... at Avon Barksdale, just like you said, they just didn't let it breathe, and that, that definitely happened for me at the beginning. And I don't know when you watch it again. I would, I would hope that you you would look at that because mm-hmm. that's the that's why I was really worried at the first like fifteen minutes of the movie because it seemed to me like everything was rushed, and that ended up happening at the end too with the with the finale fight scene because they there's twelve rounds of this fight and. Half the half the camera shots are round three, round four, round five, round six or, because or they're just, just other they're just rushing through everything. Um, and one thing that happened with the first fight, which was really cool, was that there were no commentators. And the second fight, you had fucking Max Kellerman yeah. and whoever else commentating, and it it was sort of distracting, honestly. And that was like the most the yeah, corniest to, part of the movie. Yeah, I talked to a friend on Twitter uh, who I also saw at the at the screening we were at and because he was talking about how much he liked it and i i just i just treated back at him yeah i just wish the second fight was more like the first and he said they couldn't resist the corporate synergy of it all and being able to associate themselves with hbo and having max carmen and jim lampley and jim lampley was looked like he was on some kind of barbiturate because <laughs> the let's get ready to rumble yeah it that's was about all it sounded like, fuck, like you're in a movie like get excited when you say that so he seemed like he was a little sedated and Max Kellerman is fine. It's just I'd rather, like you said, just do it without commentators. It's not. It's just that I don't. I don't want that. I don't want to hear yeah. Max Kellerman talking about a fake boxing <laughs> thing. I want to watch it. And um, I actually thought so. One of the things I wrote in my Southpaw review was how much I really loved the last fight. And in this one, it just seemed almost unbelievable. Some sometimes, like it was. It didn't really feel. I don't watch too much boxing, but I think I've watched enough boxing to know that like that many punches and that many hits and that many devastating blows really don't happen in boxing matches. And I thought it was fine in the first fight and in the practice stuff he did, but it just kind of bothered me for the last fight. Yeah, I felt I felt 
there was one point where it looks like Adonis might not get up, and I'm I'm thinking at that point they're just not they they would never let a fight go on past this point. Just, just yeah, have exactly. It, have, it be, have it be more realistic punches. If a guy has that a legit, a concussion that's that obvious, and I get the whole point of boxing is to concuss the other guy, but they're not going to let a fight keep going after it gets past a certain point. And I don't I don't need big dramatic punches to that extent to be engaged by a fight. You just need to shoot it well and. They might have just lost sight of that for that last fight because they wanted it to seem really dramatic. But I think, and a few other people we talked to felt the same way. I, 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 when we came out of the theater, I thought, am I the only one that was really underwhelmed by that? And it seems like a few other people agreed with us. And one thing that was interesting, when, leading up to the end, it sort of felt less, what's the word, less um, low, like lower stakes than the rest of the movie was almost. And to me, the the reason I asked you about a, the reboot earlier was it sort of, to me, felt like they didn't feel the need to have this super high, dramatic, ridiculous ending because that they, they were going to make more movies. That's sort of how I felt in that they didn't really go all in to finish the story necessarily, Where whereas they could have had a... Not, I don't even... I think the movie could be done and they could not make any more, but I think that they sort of held back a little bit from having this complete uh, full circle story. Well, I thought... Yeah, I thought overall they could have tried to just do more. And but I think that's why I yeah, think they're so making more movies, so they kind of didn't want to put everything, and they wanted some of these results of fights or stories or whatever to just not really be on solid ground at the end so that they could continue it going forward. Yeah, I think you can do another movie, though, even if he wins the fight. And Rocky loses at the end of Rocky 1, and that movie, I don't think they knew... But they made another one, though. Yes, but I don't know if when they were making that movie, if they... I don't think when they're making that movie, yeah. they know there's going to be another one. Because oh, yeah, at that I point, can't speak to that. Sylvester so. Stallone is, a, is an unknown at that point. They were taking a huge... They took a huge risk just by casting him at that point. He really had to fight to get... He had written the movie, but he had to fight to get in the movie because he wasn't a movie star at that point, so... They wrote, they wrote the movie to have him lose, and I don't think, until it became a massive success, I don't think they knew there was going to be another one, and at least you know it's an established brand now, so not that those same concerns are at play, but I think, like I said, we, we, we just don't know. There's a lot of movie business type stuff that most of us aren't privy to, so if it makes enough money, I'm sure they'll probably find a way to get it done, but I do think there was ways they could have, even without the fight, I thought that was one of the other things that wasn't necessarily negative, but I wanted to talk about to see if there was maybe other things they could have put in the movie. The one thing I was wondering if it would go in, if it would, if it would go there at all. And I thought maybe they thought it would have come off as paying a little bit of unnecessary lip service to the people that were made fruit fail being involved. But if they had tried to delve a little bit into some racial stuff and cause that was something that first Rocky movie never did. You had Apollo Creed, who's one of the more memorable African-American characters to ever be on the screen at that time, just to have a presence like him in a movie like that. Uh, just being cast opposite a white actor, but not being a total cartoon. He was a very well fleshed out character in the first few Rocky movies, and they never, but they never really dealt with him being any kind of racial injustice he would have suffered. And it was the 1970s, and here it would have been kind of timely if they had tried to do something like that. Here, being a sheltered kid and growing up in a Bel Air mansion, then going right into North Philadelphia. It could have been some kind of a wake-up call for him. It was just something they never addressed. And I didn't know if you thought that was, I thought maybe they didn't, instead of making it so much like your regular Rocky movie, maybe they were going to try and go for more, but maybe they felt like they just didn't have the time, and I appreciate them deciding not to do it then because 
then you would have fallen into some of the same problems that Southpaw had if you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. Do you think that was something they could have kind of spent a little time on or just not necessary? Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I think Ricky Conlon is the only person that says anything about him being privileged and him being, uh, mm-hmm. like, I, he didn't even talk about race. He just said, you're a priv- privileged dude from L.A., you're not a box. you're not a real boxer, you don't know the fight, the struggle, etc., and I think that just goes back to the movie not being as ambitious to mm-hmm. take it to a place where it could be the best picture of the year. Mm-hmm. And whereas Southpaw was much more ambitious, it failed, which is whatever. It's fine. It took it took risks, and we still really enjoyed Southpaw. Yeah, I think. I think uh, and and so I mean, Kugler just did Fruitvale. That's I mean, it's not like he doesn't well, know. He got snubbed from it, all it's the not, Oscars. Yeah, for sure it did. But it's not like he doesn't know or have any commentary on the race thing. And Michael B. Jordan was in Fruitvale and The Wire mm-hmm. and Friday Night Lights and whatever and Fantastic Four as as a black guy. So he's a black guy in everything. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Like he's, you know what I mean though, because yeah. they, everyone yeah. was controversial yeah. because yeah. they cast uh, what's her name as his sister. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it would have been interesting. I was actually like surprised, like there was no like talk about crime or anything and he didn't get robbed. I, I don't know. I just kind of thought like him randomly walking in the streets of Philadelphia and not knowing. I thought, yeah, I, I just thought there was gonna be a little bit of that. The first trailer, or maybe it was part of the second trailer I saw accidentally showed him in that jail cell. So I yeah. thought, I thought that's where I was, I, I was maybe yeah. had some kind of expectation of yeah. that kind of thing. And and if they didn't feel they had the screen time to tell the story they wanted to tell and still address that stuff, then I understand it. But I think that is another way they could they, – that's another thing that would give them some additional fresh subject matter if they decided to go down that road in another movie. Because if you're making that movie in the late 90s or something, it's just not as timely to have that kind of stuff. But in the in, with all the kind of racial issues in, we have in America today, I thought – if you can think of a good way to write that, it would really resonate with a lot of people, and that makes it the kind of weighty material that might get you some more awards attention. And at this point, I think their only shot, if they want to do some kind of Oscar campaign for him, it is Sly Stallone. Yeah. Uh, because well, what just, did, okay, what did you think of of Michael B. Jordan then? He was good. It's just they didn't they they didn't ask him to do as much as they tried for, with uh, with Jake and Southpaw and. I think he's just asked to play a lot more different things in Southpaw, and I think Michael Jordan, Jordan could have pulled that off if they had asked him to, and I think he's really on his way to being just as good of an actor as Jake Gyllenhaal, but they, he was essentially, it was just such a, like you said, it was low stakes. There wasn't that, he had to get angry. Well, I think the middle of the movie was was very high stakes personally, but then they sort of tapered off at the end. And he gets upset when, he gets upset when Rocky gets sick, he kind of gets in an argument with uh, Bianca at the, at her concert, which we thought wasn't exactly the most well-written scene, but that's one of the opportunities he does have to show more emotion. And I like I like how I like how he played a lot of the, the the fun scenes with Sly, but that's those aren't the kind of scenes that kind of are sh- that flashy. I appreciate how he did it, but it's just he's being asked to he's having so much less thrown at him than Jake Gyllenhaal was in Southpaw. I like how he did it. It's just, like you said, they, they didn't ask him to do a lot. So you didn't think it was a very emotional performance? Because I thought it was. I thought it was just very subtle, the way that he had to do it, because it, here's this guy who's a man and a boxer and and everything, and he is so scared of the name Creed, and he's so scared about what people are going to think about him if he's his father's son and and the way he conveys that to Sly and to Bianca, I thought was in different ways and in different scenes and in different contexts. I thought it was very interesting because Sly asked him, what are you so afraid of? And he says, I don't, 
I don't want to shame the name Creed, and I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect. Did he say it in shame? I, I, I don't maybe remember. I need to go back and watch it. I thought it was yeah. more just he wanted to make it on his own without the name. Well, yeah, he also I, I wanted, really he wanted to make it on his own, but he also said he was scared. He said he didn't want to be a fake Creed. I, I missed that. I just, yeah. I just it didn't hit me when he said that. Yeah, I, I mean that's why I want to watch it again. It's been a couple of days since we've seen it, and I mean I wrote my notes down right after, but they actually made us turn all of our phones off during the movie, so I couldn't take I notes. Didn't do that. Oh my God, Josh, you could have been kicked out. Hopefully they're not listening to this. Um, but yeah, so I couldn't take notes during the movie, which is what I what I like to do because I like to be particular when I talk about these things. So maybe we'll revisit it later and when we talk about best movies of the we year do podcast. Like the year. We'll do some end of the year podcasts and do some different kinds of lists and stuff, but... I, I do now. I'm more excited to see it again after talking to you because yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think he's a great actor, and some actors are just good and everything. And it's just the the the, the lasting impression their performance gives you is more rel- reliant on the script, as far as I'm concerned. Because I think someone like him or someone like Oscar Isaac or just some actors, I, I'm just going to accept the fact that they're going to be good in everything. It's just the material sometimes can push them to another level, and I thought th- there is. I, I I just I didn't pick up on the subtle stuff as much from him as I did from Sly in the movie, but I don't. I don't know. It, it just hit me as more of a. It was wasn't insignificant, but it was more just like, yeah, I, I want to make it on my own. And I've said that makes sense, and that's a logical story choice. I, it just I didn't really I didn't really feel any. It wasn't like you a didn't moment. Feel the weight of it. I didn't feel the weight of him. I, I understood why he was saying that. It just didn't hit me as such an emotional thing as it did for you. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I feel about Jordan. But I was gonna ask you. Josh has this has this thing where he has like a list of actors and actresses that he would watch in anything which he calls I would actors and actresses that I would listen to or watch reading the phone book. Would you put Michael B Jordan on that list for you or no? I don't know how much you've seen him in, but I mean we've seen him in I, I think both of us have seen him yeah, in Yeah, I think he's on stuff. there now. I think cuz he was good enough in this and I and he let's see, he had done I mean, despite how shitty Fantastic 4 was, I still I think didn't, he was, I, didn't, I didn't kick Miles Teller off my list after that. It was just <laughs> I yeah, I, he probably should have been on there to begin with. I I, th- I think I just gave Miles Teller credit because I didn't I didn't I probably don't have Fruitvale. I don't know. I don't know if I have Fruitvale as high. If I'm if I'm just doing an overall list of how much I like movies, Fruitvale's probably not quite on the level of Whiplash for me. Sure. Or maybe even the Spectacular. Now it, it's kind of right there. I I, I think I, I I think I probably like Miles Teller more in that than I like Michael B. Jordan in Whiplash or, or Michael B. Jordan in Fruitvale. I just thought I just I just I, that's a, that's a whole other podcast because those sure. are some of my favorite movies that have come out the last yeah. few years. But um, I, I just think he hadn't done as much in movies. He, I mean, he made he got he made a lot of his bones in TV, and he was good on The Wire and good on Parenthood and good on Friday Night Lights. And I feel like I need to give him more credit for that. So I feel like I should add him to that. But like I have a list, and I, I like keeping the amount of actors and actresses the same on each list. Sure. And I think that would give me one more actor on that list. I don't mind. I, I hear you. Yeah. So. Um. <laughs> But no, no, no. Like he's great, and I hope he gets to do more stuff because on his IMDb right now, and that's why he doesn't have. I think that, that I think they might be. Hopefully, they don't do any more Fantastic Fours, or if they do, they just get a. Different... Oh, they're definitely doing another one. Okay, it was on their IMDb at one point, and then got taken down. So it just might not happen for a while now. We might not see that one until 2018 if they don't even have a director attached. Well, if to they're this gonna fucking ruin, uh, that's another podcast anyway. No, but I'm just saying in terms of him doing more stuff, I want to <laughs> see him 
do more stuff. And a, a, a movie came out, or a, a report came out at the beginning of August, I think, about how he had signed on to play a civil rights lawyer that kind of fought for disadvantaged women and children that was going to be directed by Destin Cretton, the guy that did Short Term 12, one of my, another one of my favorite movies from the last few years. And that got me really excited, but it hasn't popped up on his IMDb yet. And I monitor these things because <laughs> if it's not in the, the, the point in production or even just n- enough point where enough people have signed on to actually make it something that you can officially list on something like that, it's still a while away. So he doesn't have any other movies in production. He's been pimping on t- Twitter stuff about how he's like the voice in like the new Call of Duty game or something yeah. like that. And it's, come on, get, get him in another movie. Same with same with Miles Teller. I'm, I'm hoping they can just hopefully this washes the uh, the Fantastic stink. Four stink off of Michael B. Jordan. And for Miles Teller, he has another Divergent movie coming out, and he has uh, his own boxing yeah. movie coming out that I think got pushed just so it wouldn't get overshadowed by Creed. And I don't know. I want these guys to do more stuff. And no, nah, I'm with so you. So this is like um, he's he he and Teller have both shown they can carry two different really good movies on their own. So he gets to be on my list, sure. To, uh, uh, to, to a really roundabout okay, way of getting sure. to answering your question. All right, a couple more things I wanted to talk about. So, yeah. uh, so going back to the whole weight of the father thing. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I wanted to talk about with that. The first was believing him as a boxer. And I think that it, it was a little much at times believing that he would be good at boxing maybe or that he knew all this stuff because repeatedly he says, I've never got lessons. I've never had training. I don't really know the the technicalities of the boxing. And I think they did a good job showing his character in these training sequences, watching people's footsteps and watching other people box and sort of trying to mimic that and sort of learning that way until he starts doing it with, with Sly. Because he has this this training partner when he goes to this other gym in Philadelphia. And he's watching that guy with his feet when they're doing the, the feet stuff. And I thought it was it was subtle enough to, to show that he didn't know exactly what he was doing. I and, thought... Go ahead, go ahead. As I say, I, I agree. And if you, I remember thinking when they showed that fight in Mexico at the beginning that he doesn't look like a very polished fighter. I thought, I don't know, it wasn't like a very flashy way of conveying it, but I just remember thinking, seeing when he knocks this guy out in Mexico and then what he does after he's been training with Rocky for a little bit, I think, at first I was like, is he just, did, did they just not do a good job of teaching Michael B. Jordan how to box? But then I saw that it actually looks like a better fighter once he's in Philadelphia from how he does then. But I think that stuff earlier in the movie, like you were talking about how they didn't, they probably rushed through that stuff a little too much because it's, how is he good enough to just, they're showing us how no one wants to train him in LA, how yeah. he's just having to go and do stuff on his own. But his mom is, or his, his it's not his mom, his his guardian, yeah. Mrs. Creed, whatever you want to call her. Yeah. She's so discouraging of him doing any fighting. And so between her not wanting to help him or her not encouraging him to do it, the local gym is not encouraging him to do it. How is he even good enough in the first place to be, like you said, knocking the guy out? 15-0 and 0 in Mexico. Winning all the fights in Mexico, knocking that guy out in the Los Angeles gym. It does Just because he liked watching his dad on YouTube, that's not good enough to justify him being that good, even that good. Obviously, Rocky makes him better, but how is he that good in the first place? Well, okay, so I'm glad you brought that up because that's the next thing I want to talk about, the YouTube thing. So there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where he quits his financial firm job yeah. and he comes home and he wants to tell his mom, acting mom, that he quit, but he can't do it. So he has dinner or whatever and then he goes to the basement and they show this like big theater and he's just sitting on this comfortable couch and he and he brings up this projection of the YouTube of his dad fighting Rocky. Rocky. So I think I, – I could be wrong. I could be wrong because you said he enjoyed watching his dad fight. But – when I, when I watched it, I think what was happening 
was he was shadow boxing the exact same moves that Rocky was doing against his dad. And I think it was him showing like he's angry at his dad because he was mimicking all the moves Rocky was doing the way Rocky was punching his dad and not the other way around. He wasn't just shadow boxing. I'm pretty sure he was shadowing. I think he memorized the punches and sequence that Rocky was doing against his dad. I could be wrong. I'm going to watch it again when I, or watch for it again when I when I see it. But that sort of stuck with me at the beginning about his anger with his dad and moving forward and why he would want to work with Rocky, etc. That's I th- now that I think about it, I think you might be right as far as where he was lining himself up on the screen. Yeah. And that's an interesting subtle thing that they did, but still, even <laughs> shadow boxing Rocky doesn't explain how he's that good already. No, no, I was just bringing it up yeah, for that's the an interesting weight point. of his that's father an interesting thing. Point. I, but still, I just I wish they I wish they had kind of spent even just ten more minutes on sure. the stuff in LA. And yeah, that, yeah, it, it, it would have it would have told a more complete story, I think. Yeah, it was it was rushed. The meat of the movie was really really good. I think you guys will like it if you watch it. Mm-hmm. And but the end in the beginning definitely had some problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you had two more things. Yeah, that, that I think that's that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, what about you? Anything else? Um, let me look over my notes here. I think we talked about everything. I I, I didn't really have a lot more to say on the his ultimate opponent. I just wish they had maybe made him a little more compelling. Yeah. He's a little bit of a cliche. I, I, yeah. I giggled every time I heard him talk. I mean, he was from um, London though. I mean, that's just how he was. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't usually just laugh at maybe it's just cause he's trying to be a big tough guy and he d- didn't have a very low voice. And maybe that's why I giggled. I don't know. Um, Oh, the other thing was the montage training scene where he's running and he runs from the gym to Rocky's apartment. And he's got the whole biker gang following him. Mm. I like that a lot, actually. I like because I like things where they cut out the sound and they just have characters talking or yelling or anything, but there's you don't hear it. There's just music or nothing going on in the background. I like that a lot. They did that in Southpaw too, where yeah. Jake is screaming, but there's no and in Mad Max too with Charlize when she's on her knees and she's screaming and they and they don't use the sound. Mm. I, I think they mm. they use that effectively. Yeah, the only other thing I had in my notes, which makes me think that maybe I was in more agreement with you than I thought after I saw the movie, <laughs> was that I just had I had my notes. Michael B. Jordan under a bullet point. I said his body language is just so impressive. Yeah. So I think that does go to more what you were saying about even when he wasn't giving, he didn't have a lot of dialogue the first however many minutes of the film necessarily when he was just walking around. But I think yeah. after right after I saw the movie, that might have stuck with me a little more, just how much he conveyed emotion and did a lot without having to say a lot. And it's yeah. just it's now been three or four days since we saw it, so it's just. It just wasn't as fresh fades, in my mind. Sure. We, we, Makes th- sense. This is probably the largest gap we've had between when we saw a movie and when we recorded a podcast. So maybe that, that stuff, I, I, maybe I wasn't given enough credit for that and I wasn't looking closely enough at my notes. But I think, yeah, he was very good. And that is something I like to give actors credit for is to just how much they can convey without speaking. And he did do a very good job of that in this movie. So he can handle, and I think he, that was a lot of what he did in Fruitvale too. Because a lot of Fruitvale is just him driving around in his car. Yeah. Um, and thinking about stuff and him kind of having to go through stuff when he was in prison in that movie. And it is one of his strengths as an actor. Whereas I think I, some, I don't want to, there's no reason to make this a him versus Miles Teller podcast, but a lot of stuff I like Miles Teller and actually no, cause in miles, miles Teller has to do a lot of reacting to JK Simmons and whiplash. And he did that well, but that is just something I like seeing from actors. It, it's impressive. If anyone can, if anyone's given good enough dialogue, they'll look good. But when sure. you're not given that dialogue, there's only so much the director can do at that point to bring out a good it's, performance. Yeah, yeah, it's about the actor. Mm-hmm. So I think I would definitely recommend seeing yeah, this movie. Sure. If you got 80 minutes to spare before the movie, watch Fruitvale. 
and watch it's by the same guy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> making a lot of references to that. Yeah, Southpaw is a good. I, I, I don't like. I wrote in my Southpaw review. Everyone was comparing Southpaw to Raging Bull, and I just don't think that those are similar enough movies to do a comparison about. And I just hate this whole. If it's in the same genre or it's similar, you have to compare it to it's, each it's other. It's really unfair because a lot of movie critics hold Raging Bull up as one of the best movies. Not even just boxing movies, but movies yeah. of all time. And I think it's one of the best. Perform. It was probably the best performance in a boxing movie of all time. I didn't love that movie. I I feel a bit weird saying it because it's controversial. Like so uniformly loved, mainly because yes, it's a very realistic portrayal of someone like a Floyd Mayweather because Jake Lamotta beats his wife throughout the entire movie. But I didn't think they cast a good enough actress to play his wife to really make those scenes as good as they should have been. But and but the, the way that movie was shot, that was probably. Some, somehow they shot the boxing scenes in those movies and other scenes were right on par with what they did in the first fight of Creed. But it's, it is unfair just to immediately jump to that when we're talking about a movie that's shot in black and white yeah, and has someone of sure. Robert De Niro's, Niro's caliber in an iconic role. It's, it's not fair to compare movies coming out 35 years later. Yeah, and I, but I think, going back to that, I think that these two movies are very comparable in tone and <laughs> style and emotion and and ma- the way the male lead is, is driven Mm-hmm. So, well, what do you mean by the way the male lead is driven? With like emotional loss and everything, and yeah. and being abandoned and and having to fight, and even though you're rich, you, you still want to fight and everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess in in Southpaw, he's fighting more towards a very specific goal. He yeah. has to get sure. his daughter back. Well, a lot of the problems in Southpaw were the uh, the the development of everyone besides Jake was fucking terrible mm-hmm. and not well reasoned, but. If, if, like if, I said, that's just a harder task. Yeah. Here, you don't have to develop Rocky Balboa. It's one of the yeah. most iconic movie characters of the last 40 years. So the work's already done for them on that, but they probably did a better job of developing Bianca than they did a, any secondary character in in Southpaw. So. Yeah, so definitely go see Creed when it comes out. I think it'll probably be one of your more favorite feel-goody movies of the year. Mm-hmm. And Michael B. Jordan is awesome. I hope he keeps doing new stuff. Yeah. But. Thanks for listening. Please share the pod. We'd really appreciate it. Um, yep. Yeah. If you guys want to further engage, please talk to us on Twitter. Send us some comments, SoundCloud, iTunes, rate, anything. We'll, we really appreciate it. You can even tweet questions at us. I know we yeah. don't have a ton of listeners yet, yeah. but we'll answer your movie questions yeah. about stuff that's anything. happened in 2015. Even, even old movies, new movies, what you should watch on a Thursday, Netflix and chill, whatever, man. You're telling us what to watch. Yeah. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about. Yeah. We'll go back and, and rewatch some shitty movies for you. Um, yeah, so you can find me at A Clambake, A K L A M B A K E, on and, Twitter. And me at Josh Jernavoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you guys enjoy Creed.